0: This is Parking and Bitterman Circle number thirty four for December fifth, two thousand five. Hey there, everybody goodness, two podcasts in less than two days. I'm just catching up. Here's the deal. This one's a shorty, but what it is is an audio review of the Rolling Stones show in Dallas on November 29th, which I decided to record on the I-River as I was driving home from the concert. My feeble memory was still um, somewhat strong. So this is just sort of a little extra bonus review podcast of, um, of that show. Uh, I want to thank everybody who made me feel at home there. I think I probably did this in you know, recording as well. But thanks to J.D. for uh, getting me down there and getting me in the door. And um, I'm not much for reviewing shows, but because this is such a big, major hoo tour, Uh, I figured I'd take the time. I did a written one, which you can find on uh, BittermanCircle.com in written form, which I don't know if it's better or worse, it's just different, it's about the same damn thing. Anyways, uh, here's the uh, podcast from the car heading north on I-35, away from the American Airlines Center. About the Rolling Stones Show, November 29th, Dallas, Texas, num- show number 41, on the Bicker Bang World Tour, 2005-2006.
1: Well, then, it's been a while since I've done any kind of recording from behind the wheel. But uh, number one, I happen to have my iRiver with me. Number two, if I stop moving my head, maybe there'll be less uh, clicking on the mic. Okay, let's do that. And that'll be better. Anyways, the reason why I decided to do this, quite honestly, is because I've just done something I never had the chance to do in my professional career. I went and visited and saw the Rolling Stones this evening here in Dallas at the uh, American Airlines Center. Stones production is uh, rather large, rather elaborate, rather professional. Two days ago, I got a uh, an email from my buddy, JD, who is uh, on the Backline crew with the Stones. I've known JD for years. He's a good man. Had a lot to do with the, uh, the fabulous Crossroads Festival that we had down here in Dallas uh, for Eric Clapton with all of the great artists that were, uh, all the great guitar players that were down here. And... Um, I was really pleased, I had really no intention of seeing this show or uh, getting a chance to see this, uh, this production. Of course you hear all these rumors, in fact when we were out on, on, on Weezer earlier this year there was, uh, uh, I was talking to one of the truck drivers and he was saying that in the stadium situation there were 125 trucks, blah blah blah, you know there's so many, it's such a huge production. This is the arena show, which is a bit smaller. Um, I believe they. I think the count I got today from, um, by way of JD, of the, uh, um, the seventy-two trucks in in the stadiums, and then I think this is somewhere around thirty something, thirty-two, perhaps. And um, they got a lot of stuff. They've got video. They've got sound. They've got um, an elaborate stage. Um, It's taller than. The stages that we use with Weezer, um, because there's a whole universe underneath there are tech areas and sound mixing areas and and video areas and and uh, computer areas and whatnot teleprompter areas, believe it or not and um, production is very clean it um, they have a what they call a raked stage, a raked stage comes from uh, Shakespearean times maybe I'm not sure if they I know that they had them in Shakespearean times like the Globe Theatre in in London which uh, which is where the um, the term upstage and downstage comes from because the downstage portion the edge of the stage nearest the audience is lower than the back of the stage was pointed up that way people in the audience could see everything sort of presented to them it's not a terribly pronounced rake, but it's um, pretty good. And it does. It sort of adds to your ability to, to see what's going on. Anyways, I got to come down a little bit early and uh, take a tour of the um, underneath. I suppose I, I suppose perhaps maybe the best thing to do would have been if um, i gotten in the wrong lane. Wouldn't surprise me if I have. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm sure I did maybe not Dan, I'm good I think I just saved myself uh, about five minutes of uh, traffic lights I've ducked out as uh, as you do uh, a little bit before the uh, encore so that uh, I could beat the traffic and I definitely Traffic tonight. Oh, look at this. There are traffic lights everywhere. What is this? Is this an accident? Is this. This indeed looks like an accident. This is a fire truck. These are flares. Dallas Fire and Rescue, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, see if we can safely do this without hurting anybody. traffic we go. Looks like a pretty major accident here. Anyways, continuing on. JD was kind enough to uh, call me in around 4.30 to look at the makings of the Stones tour, and at that point they were already in pretty good shape. Uh, Merle Haggard was supposed to be the opening act. They've had a lot of tremendous opening acts on this tour, but I believe Merle... um, came down with a bout of pneumonia, so Delbert McClinton was the opening act, and Delbert is a wonderful singer, a wonderful performer, but a great set. Um, when I arrived, him, he and his band were sound checking. Um, I was taken on a tour of the uh, underneath where the guitar techs are. There are uh, some quick change booths and uh, the guitar tech areas. Um, the Rolling Stones, as well as other bands like uh, Aerosmith and, and U2, use these large uh, wardrobe-sized cases which hold uh, eight, ten, maybe more guitars uh, in an upright position, like they're sitting in a guitar stand, and they just sort of live in there in these cradles. And they're like, um, they're like, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're just like wardrobe cases. And you just reach in and you pull them out, and off you go. Um, they're all well and good, as I learned in designing uh, cases sort of similar to them that were less friendly. Uh, they're really only good for doing large stadium or, or uh, arena tours. If you get into clubs, they just become a nightmare. So um, I came into the area where, um, where uh, Daryl Jones, the bass player, and uh, Keith Richards, guitars were and there was some, just some absolute beauties, tellies, and great acoustics, old Fender P basses, uh, Gretsch hollow body bass, a l- tremendous amount of really cool instruments and uh, sort of paraded through and got through um, other people's areas, and got over to Ronnie Woods, and he has a f- fantastic selection of guitars, as you can imagine, and then got up onto the, actually was brought up onto the stage by, uh, where all of the amps, and the amps and, and effects and all of their gear are traveling, and so basically in large, sort of set cart, they call them wombats, and, um, basically everything sort of stays intact and they throw a couple of doors on it, and they roll away. What you see on stage, if you've gone to see the Rolling Stones, basically they unplug them, they put two lids on them, and they roll them away. And that saves a lot of time. Um, there's a surprising, uh, surprising, as you can imagine, a combination of old and new technology. Uh, the older technology is not that surprising. Some of the old amps from the late 50s, early 60s being used. Um, they are, are definitely in demand and there's a lot of them. There's, there's doubles here and doubles there and doubles, doubles everywhere. So I got to see a lot of these great old amps and sort of how they systemized and not really got into the heavy workings. I, You know, I could have had my iRiver I on while I was uh, there, but I just really... It's not, you know, I'd love to take you with me. I'd love to uh, record the people I work for. I'd love to, I mean, I don't want to. I actually had a conversation with some of the guys from the Stones backline crew about um, Bitterman Circle and the podcast, and they're kind of interested in in, in what that's all about. And um, I told them I'd be glad to uh, give them any of my experience that I can about rock and roll podcasting for the for lack of a better term but um, as you can imagine um, there's a lot of people working on the, on the crew um, got to see some some old friends um, my friend Aaron Cass is a great uh, he's a great carpenter and a great guy and he is, his specialty is uh, he works as a carpenter and his specialty is hydraulic Carpentry. So, if you've seen any of the like in sync and, and bands like that that have uh, moving parts and the stage goes up and down and slides in and out and all that, that that's the kind of stuff that he specializes in. The uh, Stones, at uh, a certain part of the show, um, the center of the stage sort of levels out and the drum set rolls forward and then the whole part of the stage slides out to the center of the arena, actually closer to the rear of the arena, which gives the people in the back seats a a lot closer experience with the band. And it was really cool because I was standing back there by the the sound console and a couple of comments I've got about something like that is uh, how difficult it must be for the band be out in front of the PA with del- the delay between them playing and the sound going on down the wires and then coming out through the speakers and coming back to them, it must be so difficult because some of those guys are using ear monitors, which are the little speakers you stick in your ears, and some aren't so it's a I think it's a tremendous challenge, but I'm sure they rehearsed it a lot um, the Stones are known for, listen, they make a lot of money they spend a lot of money. There's plenty of people who make a lot of money and don't spend a lot of money. Um, the backstage area is, uh, there's a rather elaborate um, sort of VIP area called the uh, Rattlesnake Inn or something like that. I'll often double check on that. But um, it's a rather full service situation back there. They bring their own laundry, they bring their own you know, services. Workout equipment and masseuses and this and that and the other thing. Here's a bunch of guys who have been doing this for a long time. They're very wealthy. And you spend a lot of your time away from home. Why not have everything that you want or need? There are more espresso machines distributed around this building in the VIP lounge, in the catering room, behind the stage. They're everywhere. How cool is that for a Bitterman? coffee-drinking kind of guy, that's a pretty awesome thing, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, before I go any further, I just want to extend uh, my thanks for the hospitality that I felt from from uh, Johnny and Pierre, and J.D., Alan, and uh, Tim a lot of the guys uh, I got to see Fido my old buddy Fido from Claire Brothers he was out there hi Fido he's engaged who knew was just a kid when I first met him I sound kind of hoarse I don't know I wasn't screaming or anything uh, but uh, anyways my thoughts about the performance um, I've always thought that the, the stones were rather I don't know I, I really I can't I don't know. I was impressed. I was impressed by their appearance and that they're still all really pretty skinny, except for Daryl. And uh, Mick is in great shape. He puts out a lot of energy. I understand that he likes to go jogging and get his cardio all up before he goes out and works for two and a half hours. Um, Still work in the audience, a very great frontman. Charlie Watts, cancer survivor. Um, I was really impressed with how he ran that band. I mean, you've got two kind of loosey-goosey guitar players in that band, and he just he just he lays it down, and then they kind of stretch it out, and he sort of pulls it back, and it's rather remarkable. Um, bravo, Charlie Watts. What a performance. I was really impressed by, uh, you know, you've been doing this a long time and you still sound good. The groove was there. Um, you know, they've been working since July. They've maybe done 40 shows since July. But um, really impressed by. Uh, by tonight's performance, and by, I mean, I uh, got to see uh, uh, my buddy Anthony, and uh, there's a lot of, I mean, at my at my level, I mean, I, I guess I'm considered, uh, you know, people people know me, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who don't know me, and I've been around for a while, and I keep re-meeting people. There's a lot of people in this business who I've uh, been, I, we've met for the first time 10-15 uh, times. And, uh, that's really, uh, that's just part of it man. you know, I mean, you meet a lot of people out on the road, I'm sure I've probably met a few people more than once, uh, I ran into one guy who used to be a, a tech, and now he's uh, well, in real estate, uh, friends of friends that I have, and stuff like that, but, um. I just want to thank everybody for their hospitality and for making me feel at home and uh, for and JD especially. Thank you, buddy, for, for giving me the grand tour. And, uh, and Johnny said, you know, we're, we're open here. You know, there's so many tours where, you know, when the, it was getting near the end of the show and I wanted to say goodbye to JD, and I really didn't have really the best credentials. And I, I part of it, I think, is, is my ability to Basically, look like I belong where I'm going, but there's also a certain um, openness. There's some really serious security guards on this thing. You don't even want to know. I can't even tell you how serious these cats are. Oh, they are serious. And um, I, um, I got to go back there and say goodnight to everybody and thank them, and they were, you know, still offering beverages and what not there in the middle of the show and i think about all the tours i've been on where no one's allowed anywhere and no one's welcome and no one can stand there and no one can look at this person and there's a certain amount of that where they protect it um mike i'm sorry mike adams i hadn't seen mike in a few years mike is mixing monitors and a wonderful guy and um it's so great to see him i'm so glad glad to see him working at this level because he is that good every time i go to see um bands like this and I see other people there and, and we're not on that tour I get that feeling it's like well you know if we were all that we'd be there and um, you know what he's there and God bless you I'm, I'm really I'm really quite happy for you and um, and uh, you know you're out there uh, kicking ass with the Stones man that's great um, so I'd never seen the Stones before um, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see the Stones again but, uh, it was pretty neat. Um, I think I get it now, you know. Um, uh, a lot of people like to belittle them for being a sloppy little sort of garage band. A lot of people like to belittle Bruce for, uh, being a one-trick pony. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you just have to... And this is the thing. I and mean, we were talking to this, uh, this guy in the audience we were talking about, uh, future of music and, and uh, the fact that uh, one of the things with what's happening with um, the record companies and the fact that recorded music is going to sort of change um, that um, the only thing left that the musician has to offer that is truly unique that uh, that they'll be able to uh, continue to sell um, will be live performance, and, uh, you know, I don't think I ever really got these guys until tonight. Uh, they are what they are, and uh, it's uh, it's been a remarkable, uh, remarkable uh, little uh, trip down to the uh, AAC to uh, see the Rolling Stones, and uh, here's my garage. That was uh, a podcast on in a matter of about 13 miles. Uh, Got past a giant accident, got through a rock and roll crowd, and uh, made it home safe and sound. And there's a tennis ball. Boop. Car's in the slot. Right on.